Again, great to have all you with us today and those are watching uh, by way of your devices or televisions at home. I believe that the body of Christ in large part is missing out on something um, of great significance. And that is what I'm calling the Father's blessing. It's through the scriptures. We're going to walk through them today because I believe it's going to bring hope and healing. And according to scripture, the benefits of the Father's blessing are far-reaching and make the difference between somebody who's successful or somebody who fails in life. Between victory and defeat, your happiness, sadness, and also makes a difference in our children's lives. Um, blessing is the opposite of cursing. Proverbs 26.2 says, no curse ever happens without a cause. Okay? For, for like a, and he gives the analogy here of a bird, like a flying swallow, so a curse without a cause shall not alight. Okay? So a bird will look for a place to land. Same with this. He says the curse is the same way. The curse that is permeating in the earth looks for a place to land. Our job is to make sure it doesn't land on us, make sure it doesn't land on our family, amen, or our church, because we, we're together as a church as well. The truth is, it's the absence of the blessing that makes the way for the curse to lay hold on someone's life. So the less that you have of people blessing their children, blessing their families, blessing their church, blessing their community, I'm big on that. I believe we shouldn't be cursing Milwaukee. We should go Bucks, go Bucks. Hey, they're doing good. We should be blessing. Amen. And so I saw this as I was studying this, a Stanford University study uh, that said this. That this is a little report. The dominant role of fathers in preventing delinquency is well established. Over 50 years ago, the phenomenon was highlighted in the classic studies of the cases of delinquency by Sheldon and Eleanor Gluick of Harvard University. They described in academic terms that many children hear their mothers say so often, wait till your father gets home. Matter of fact, if you all remember, there used to be a cartoon back in the 70s called Wait Till Your Father Gets Home. Uh, in a, in a well-functioning family, the very presence of the father embodies authority. And a matter of fact, the, um, uh, us elders were talking about that on Tuesday. There's just something about that booming voice from a man. Hey. I mean, the kids go, what's going on here? There's something about the authority of a male. And authority uh, conveyed through um, his daily involvement uh, in the family life. This paternal authority is critical to the prevention of psychopathology and delinquency. Okay? The benefits of a child receives, <clears throat> the benefits a child receives from his relationship with his father are notably different from those derived from his relationship with his mother. The father contributes uh, a sense of paternal authority and discipline, which is conveyed through his involved presence. The additional benefits, and there's so much I would like to say about that, I don't have time, but the additional benefits of his affection and attachment add to this primary benefit. And Albert Bandura, professor of psychology at Stanford University, observed as early as 1959 that delinquents suffer from an absence of father's affection, of the father's affection. Um, also, I found in the study that, and I think some of you are probably well aware of this, that nearly 50% of a child that grows up without a father in the home ends up in ab abject po poverty. Maybe they're making it, but they're making it from check to check or lower. And those who um, go, are, are higher than that usually have a, a, a mother who's always pushing them to do better, or, and, and, and mothers have to do double duty for that to take place. Or they're very, very involved in their family. So we see, even in, st these are secular studies, they're not biblical studies. These are secular studies. We see the importance of the father's role. Somebody say amen. Amen. 
And I think we all that are a certain age can say, because when you're certain, when you're a kid and you grow up, I don't need no dad. The truth is you just didn't know you didn't need him. And then you see how life affects you. And you see the ones that had a father, they're doing pretty good in life. And those that didn't, all of a sudden they're struggling, they're struggling. And even when they make it, there's always this sense of loss of identity on the inside of them that they struggle with or up against. So in other words, out of the study, the cause for curses in a person's life may be due to the fact that they never received the blessing from their father because their father wasn't there. And I will say this and add this, that even though sometimes fathers were present, they didn't know how to bless their children, okay? So, uh, by the way, there's hope in this. You can change that today. Well, my kid's 35 years old. Doesn't matter. You still have power. You still have authority to make a difference and begin to bless your children, amen? And I'll show you some other things that are pretty cool in just a second. So, how does this blessing get transferred? Well, the first way we see that gets transferred is by speaking it. There has to be declarations. When my son and daughter were in the womb of their mother's belly, um, we would speak, and I just mean, but we would speak over our children and for health and their purpose and their destiny. And I don't remember all that we said, but we said the things that we felt that needed to be said over our children. And then as the years went on, as there were babies, I remember holding both my son and my daughter in the hospital when nobody was looking, nobody's around, and held them up like Mufasa. Come on, somebody. I'm not kidding you. And blessing them. I, I blessed them. I, it was kind of, and I'm kind of a dramatic guy. Anyway, I, I, I blessed them. And I began to say, Lord, they're, they're called to do this and they're called to do that. And every time I was around my children, I'd lay my hands on them and I would bless them. I was blessing them when they were young teenagers. They didn't even know it because I knew it would embarrass them. I said, come here. And I put my hand on them and I'm, I'm blessing my children, right? So important. So it starts with what you say and what you declare, what you speak. Proverbs 18, 21 very familiar passage we use a lot around here. Death and life are not the power of the devil. And in this case, it doesn't even say the power of God. It said death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Do you have a tongue? Yes, I have one as well. So the words that we speak produce words of life or words of death. Okay, And then it produces what we say, fruit. They're, they're, those, those words have seed and they produce fruit and those who love it will eat its fruit, okay? So what does a fruit come from? It comes from a seed. What kind of seed? Whatever the pr- produce of that fruit became. So again, I use this a lot. If it's an apple, apple, it came from an apple seed, correct? So I cannot be, I cannot, I can't watch my children become something they're not. If I claimed over them that you're going to be successful, you're going to do well, you're not going to be discouraged or depressed, you're going to have a great life, and they're not having that, I can go back to God and say, wait, I didn't speak those words, so that's not my harvest. So I cross-cancel that in the name of Jesus Christ, and I thank you, Lord God, for the harvest that's coming in, whether they like it or not. Sometimes these kids are going to come in kicking and screaming. Amen and amen. So not only life can be spoken, but so can death. Supernatural, demonic powers gain entrance through negative words spoken by one person over another. So, so, so your words have weight. They have value. They have importance. They're not just things that trip off your lips because you said this or that. They actually have a force. They bring death or they bring life. So we... Um, have to be careful as fathers, the fathers in this room, the fathers watching me, myself, 
to not let the heat of the moment cause us to speak curse words over our children rather than blessing. Because I know them little suckers can get under your skin sometimes. They're, you love them, but you know what? You want to smack them around every now and again. And so you can't smack them around. That would be child abuse. Although when we were children, we got smacked around and, and nobody called anybody. There was no CPS. Nobody had a line to CPS. Have you ever called CPS? Or you ever called the police? Just put me in jail right now because I'm going to kill you. You know, I mean, that back in those days, we got whipped by the neighbors. Praise Everybody whipped kids. Probably wasn't right. But my point is, my point is, is that it's a different world we live in today. But, my, but they, the kids, they can get under your nerves and, and, get, and get under your nerves rather than under your skin. And they can make, you, make, you, make it sometimes difficult for you. And you want to blurt something out and say something. Maybe like the way things were said over you. Stupid. Stop it. Dummy. Um, you know, you're a little heathen, you know, those kinds of things. You're never going to amount to nothing. That's, that's pretty heavy duty. Um, but so you look at them and you got to stop yourself. You got you to refrain. Everybody say refrain. Everybody say selah. Do you know what when the Bible says selah means? It means pause and ponder. Amen. When your kids make you mad, you go, you little blessing of the Lord. Amen. Use that as another curse word. I bless, I bless you. Amen. This is true of everything. The blessing is, is far more powerful than the curse, but the curse, the curse is powerful. It is all powerful, I'll tell you that, if you don't learn to bless. Because the only thing that negates or takes away the curse is the blessing. So if you didn't tell your kids good things, because I'm going to toughen them up, because that's how I got toughed up. I don't know. I don't know. How, how does that tough? The only thing that toughens up with anybody, from a kid to an adult, is they get toughed up in their emotions, they, and they, they, they shut down emotionally. They don't, they don't trust nobody. They, re, they feel rejected all the time, discouraged. And that's the only thing. The only thing that's toughened up is their emotions. They may not cry, because we taught them don't cry. You know, when I was a kid, it was the, 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 if you're a boy, you didn't cry. Don't be a crybaby, they would tell the boys, right? Suck it up, boy. That's what they would say. And so you kind of grow up, I, I got I to hold them in tears. <laughs> you know, I can't, I don't want, you, you can't do that, right? My dad would say, wipe, wipe, wipe them up, boy. Wipe those tears, dry them up, he'd say. You know, that, that's kind of the way it was in those times. And now we understand crying is good. It's an outlet, praise God. Now, we don't want them crying all the time, amen. Because they can manipulate you with their tears, too. But you got to learn to discern that, right? So, so you got to be careful because uh, those things are very powerful and very real. But the curse, the only way you get rid of the curse is through the blessing. You got to bless them. So somebody fronts you off in traffic. Somebody get, it tells you you're number one. Y'all know what I mean by that? In traffic, they tell you number one, and you want to give them a number one back and tell them you're number one too. Or you just want to cuss or you want to yell at them or pump your brakes a couple times because they're on your bumper. None of these things I've ever felt in my entire life, but I preach this for you, praise God. I preach this for you. Um, because I know somebody can probably relate to that. So when somebody does that, you, you say, God bless you. Well, praise the Lord. You want to really make them mad? God bless you. You might not make them mad, but you're definitely going to confuse them. <laughs> Now, what in the world just happened here, right? In Matthew 5, 43, Jesus taught, you, ha you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
That's Old Testament standard. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. Man, this, that, that right there is a series by itself. But pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Jesus completely flipped the script changed everything it's no longer an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth man it is if they hate you love them if they persecute you bless them he said this is how you change things this is how things get you bless instead of curse the power of a blessing is supernatural it's the presence and work of the holy spirit producing joy peace prosperity fruitfulness it provides health success and protection to be blessed is to be in god's favor and to have his face shine literally the scripture says his face will shine upon you i want to share with you today several powerful principles i'm looking at my time so we'll get it done um uh in and pronouncing the blessing let's look at the principle of pronouncing the blessing we have god the father god the father as our example, Jesus called God Father. He was the first one to ever do that. He personalized God. And, of course, he was called a blasphemer for that. But he was, in fact, the Son of God. And those who follow Christ are now children of God, sons and daughters of God. So we see here in Scripture, God blessed Adam and Eve. As soon as Adam and Eve were created in Genesis 1.28, here's what it said. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Everything with God, the Father's blessing, is for fruitfulness and dominion. Notice everything in there is for good. Everything in there was for man to, be, to have dominance and not to be dominated over. The Father's intent for mankind was to be so blessed that everything submitted to him or her. Amen. Now, not people, but subjugating all authority over even the plant life and the animal kingdom and everything they put their hand to do. That's what the blessing does. It makes you fruitful and multiply. And one of the greatest blessings we can speak over our children, whether they be, whether they be small or whether they be adults, is, is this, is fruitfulness. You can speak it over your family too. Speaking fruitfulness, you're going to be fruitful. Everything in your life is going to produce fruit, good fruit. Psalms 1-3, I talked about this a little bit on, on Thursday Night Live. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. By the way, that is a scripture you can claim over you and your family and over your children and your children's children. Do you see this? Do you see this? You shall be, you tell your kid, you'll be like a tree planted by, you'll never have to worry about drought in your life. Always water will be uh, supplied to you so you can always be fruitful and you'll never wither and everything you do will prosper. It's amazing that by simple, the simple act of faith in speaking blessings over another person, we can activate the power of God and their greatest potential, okay? Number two, God also blessed Abraham. God called Abraham and blessed him. It says in Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country from your kindred and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I'll make you a great nation. I'll, I, watch this. I will bless you and make your name great. Wow. The blessing makes our name great, our posterity great. Um, and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. But look out. 
because his blessing's on you, I will curse him who curses you. That's how we know the blessing is much greater than a curse. That's why just because there's a curse word that was given to me when I was a child by my father or by my mother or a teacher or somebody I respected, as long as it has no place to land, like that swallow, he's looking for a place, but he can't land on me. Why? Because I'm blessed. I claim the blessing of God. I am a blessed man. My children are blessed. My family is blessed, right? And you and all the families of the earth shall be what? Blessed. All right, so God not only wants to bless us, but to make us a blessing to others. I'll bless you, so you shall be a The whole result of being blessed is you have more than enough. He's the God of more than enough. So when the more than enough God blesses you, there ought to be a, a, a superfluous, a, 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 a abundant supply that's always coming out of you to bless the people in your life. You know, I thought about this. Jesus was so blessed, guys. He was so blessed that he's at the Garden of Gethsemane and he's overwhelmed. He's bleeding great sweat drops of blood out of his system. So that something so huge was happening even physically in his body. He was in distress. And yet he's thinking about the disciples. Watch this. Before that, now watch it. Before all of that stress was going on, he had them in the upper room and he's doing what? He's blessing them. He's washing their feet. He's thinking about what they're going to have to go through not having him around. And he's teaching them. He knows he's going to die within about 24 hours or 48 hours. He's going to probably be dead because the father already showed him this. But instead of thinking to himself, the blessing so much on you. It's like an abundant supply. You can't help yourself. You want to bless the people around you. And he blessed them that night. He blessed them. To me, that shows how strong that it really is. Um, uh, let's do this. Number three, God blessed not only Abraham, but his son Isaac. Uh, Genesis 25, 11 says, after the death of Abraham, God blessed his son Isaac. And Isaac dwelt at Beer Lahoy, Lahai rather, Roy. Beer Lahai Roy. Now that word Beer Lahai Roy means the well of the living one who beholds me. When you break the meaning of that down, the meaning is this. Uh, it's, the meaning is the, uh, the continued divine favor of my heavenly father. The favor of God like a well. It's a continual, the water's going to be there tomorrow and the next day. The next. It's the continual divine favor of my heavenly father. So he blessed Isaac. Uh, then number four, God blessed his son, Jesus. We talked about that a moment ago, but Matthew 3, 16, then Jesus, when he was, had been baptized, came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly, a voice from heaven saying, came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I love this so much. Because Jesus gets baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, in the water. There's a supernatural thing that takes place. A dove descends. But now watch this. God speaks. There's a crowd around Jesus. And God speaks from heaven. But he doesn't just speak as God. He speaks as Father God. And he speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
Jesus gets publicly acknowledged by the Father that the Father has, ple has pleasure in his Son, that he loves his Son, he affirms his Son, he confirms his Son, he publicly acknowledges his Son. When was the last time, Dad, not getting on you, but when was the last time, because we're not emotional creatures, but when was the last time you publicly acknowledged your children? Okay, that went over like a lead balloon. I guess I'm not going to get any. Someone should said six months ago. I don't know what everybody's answer might be. But I think that there's some conviction that, well, you don't know about it. There's some problem between me and my son. Doesn't matter. Well, I'm the father. He should come to me. Maybe. That's probably right. That's probably true. I, I'm not going to deny that. But what if he never does? When is our pride going to get broke down? And as a father, say, it doesn't matter. Time is too short. I'm going to release, I'm going to forgive. You know, there's a, I don't want to get in the rabbit trail here because I start preaching. I told myself I'm going to teach today. But it hits me because we live in a culture where it's blame, 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 and cancel those who don't take our blame. And now we're going to blame them and cancel them. And we don't care what you have to say about it because our feelings say this. It doesn't matter. The facts are, the facts don't matter. We're going to cancel you. Nonsense. And you're going to hear me say that over and over and over. I'm beat that drum on time because we got to get back to the truth. We got to get back. We're getting so far off the truth. And I believe 99% of Christians probably believe that way as well. Now, my point to bring that up is, is because they're looking for somebody to repent. But do you know the Bible only asks of one thing for repentance? God asks for you to repent to him. But when it comes to others, it would be nice if people repented but the Bible doesn't put the demand on repentance when it comes from me to you. The Bible puts the demand on my forgiveness. I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but remember what Pastor Jeff just said right there. Because in the coming days ahead, that's going to be something you're going to hear by the Spirit over and over again because we can't make people who don't want to repent, repent to us. Our release doesn't come through the repentance. Our release comes from our forgiveness. That's what the Bible teaches. Everything else, strife, division, anger, fighting, disunity. Amen. So I'm saying that it's good for fathers to take the first step and acknowledge their children. Well, you know, I've been divorced from their mother for years and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't matter. You can still be the father. Just because it didn't work out between you and her doesn't mean it can't work out between you and your children. Well, they were told a lot of things. Yeah, you know, these are excuses, guys. Our pride gets in the way. What if I get rejected? I know you probably might have five or six times, but it's, you're doing the right thing. So we see the father, heavenly father, speaking words of approval and blessing over Jesus, and he's our example. Jesus was blessed with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which equipped him to do miracles. But from that point on, the Father affirms him, and Jesus goes, I'm ready. Miracles. And even, watch this, the blessing so strong that it prepared him for the cross, his ultimate death. Notice that Jesus had done nothing yet. He hadn't done one miracle he hadn't preached one message. He's just getting baptized. And the father says, I'm so proud of you. You're my son. He had done nothing yet. Had not made a name for himself, but you're my son, and I'm proud of you. Father blesses him. Five, Isaac blessed his sons. 
You know the story of Isaac and Rebekah and they couldn't have children and Isaac begged God for a miracle and he got his miracle and she not only got pregnant with one baby, she got pregnant with two twins on the inside of her. There were two nations, Jacob and Esau, on the inside of her. And in Hebrews eleven twenty, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. I like that concerning things to come. There's much I can say about Jacob and Esau, but we don't have time. But concerning, he blessed them concerning things to come. To me, that's saying that the blessing is prophetic. So when I was speaking over my child, again, who had done nothing yet, you're going to be a man of God. You're going to be a great father one day. My, my daughter, you're going to be a woman of God. You're going to do great things for God. I was prophesying. The blessing is prophetic. You're prophesying what? Their purpose. You don't wait for your children to go off to college to find out who they are. Because the devil will find them and tell them all kinds of lies. I'm not, guys, hear this preacher. It's a different world we're living in. You cannot put your head in the sand anymore. And if you're going to send them off to university, you better hear God. Because that's a lot of money to send your, your kids to be indoctrinated with all kinds of craziness. They left you straight as an arrow, come back, a homosexual. You think, how did that happen? This stuff, we got to look at this stuff. And so this stuff's weighing heavy on me because we got to look, we got to understand that the enemy has an agenda. Your job is to tell your children who they are. This is who you are. Well, my son likes to wear dresses. So what? Who cares? They all wore dresses in the Old Testament, praise God. So my point is, don't make a big deal out about it. Just say, well, honey, boys don't wear dresses. Here, what boys and now boys can wear what they want. We're going to let them make up their mind. No, you cannot do that. You're allowing the spirit of, of, of antichrist or, or trouble or, or darkness to come into their life. And now they're being manipulated by the demon spirit when you had power and control the whole time. We're going to let children make up their mind what gender they are. Have we lost our minds? Kids play. They come up with things all the time. And guess what? They, 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 they get over it in six months. They also have imaginary friends. Do we believe them in that one too? They also like to eat Play-Doh. And dirt. But we teach them, don't eat the dirt, son. Please stop eating dirt. Let them eat the dirt. Not harming anybody. They'll grow up to be dirt eaters. That's craziness. We're to teach our children. Do we teach them not to eat with their hands? Do we teach them to go to the bathroom in the toilet? Why? Because it looks weird when you're 25 years old and still got a diaper on. Common sense. Amen. But I like wearing a diaper. No. No. Romans 9, 11. I'm going to get off this because I, I can feel it moving. Around. And it's shifting and I want to stay here. Romans 9, 11 says, For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. Watch this. Every you, me, 
every human being that's ever been alive or ever will be alive on planet Earth. And when I say alive, I'm talking from conception. Not nine months later. Life starts at conception. We'll prove it. No, the proof, I'm sorry, is going to be on you to prove me wrong. And nobody can prove that wrong. It's life at conception. It's a miracle. And so we got that, right? We got that. He said that the calling of God may be seen. So in other words, the purpose and call of God was established before we ever got here. So he says here, watch this, they're innocent. Children not being born yet, not knowing good or even evil have the purpose of God. That's why abortion is so diabolical and so out of control and so wrong. And that's why it's coming up again. Church, we have an opportunity. We finally have some conservative judges that actually believe in pro-life. And even though you might vote Democrat and don't like all the, pro, all the conservatism, I will tell you this. I know you're a Christian and I know you love God, and most Christians, 90-some percent of them, believe in pro-life. We have an opportunity here to change something around. To get the blight of that off of this nation. It's ongoing. It's continuing. It's not changing. It's the, the millions of babies are being aborted every day. And I believe God is saying enough. And there's a lot I could say about that, about the prophets of Baal and how they're sacrificed to Moloch and all that kind of stuff. And you still see it in the, you see it in the cycle even today. My point to you is this, is they have a purpose. Our job, and I'm telling you, I'm convicted by this, so convicted by God. I'm telling you that this church has got to change our attitude even towards that. We've got to pour money into this thing. We've got to be a blessing to this thing. We've got to get involved in this thing. We've got to stop abortion in this nation. We have to stop it. And I'm going to tell you something. This is coming from a pastor who believes that anybody and everybody can and should be redeemed. So there are people, women in this church that I know have had abortions. They told me their story. They know I don't hate them or dislike them or got my finger. I, I, don't, even, I don't even need to know your backstory. But the things we did wrong, we're not supposed to perpetuate any longer. And if you've had an abortion, I would say you'd be the number one candidate to say, we got to stop this thing. Because the women that have had it told me they had, they had nightmares about it. They've never forgotten it. Because there's something in them that knows this was life. I was lied to. I was told it was nothing but a clump of cells. I was told it had, it had no purpose. Just like having a, a procedure doesn't have a mole re re removed. That's all it was. And yet you're going, but emotionally I feel scarred. Spiritually I feel drained. Something's different about this. Because it was life. Here's the good news, guys. That child is in heaven. And that child's not mad at you because they know you were deceived. God has forgiven you. If you've asked for repentance, he will forgive you. And you'll get the ch chance to raise that baby in heaven. And someone once said they've been to heaven and God said that they ought to name those children because God has a name for them there, but you can name them here, praise God. So I, don't know their, I, don't know their, I don't know if they're a boy or a girl. It doesn't matter. Give them, a, give them a unisex name. Praise God. Do something like that. Call them Chris. Chris goes both ways. Amen. I don't know. Amen. Amen. Number seven, Jacob blessed his grandsons. Okay. Not only should a father bless his children, but he should also bless his grandchildren. Well, you know I've already been doing that. Ephraim and Manasseh, and he said to Joseph, please bring them to me and I will bless them. That was the grandkids. The idea 
is for the children's father to request this blessing of, of the grandfather as Joseph did. When this is not feasible, the grandfather should take the in, in initiative to bless his grandchildren. So it's, it's good to get the blessing. My son's given me full blessing. He, I didn't even ask him. I already know. We have a relationship like that. We believe in the power of this thing. Uh, son, is it okay still? Is it good? I, he's not listening. He's listening to something else. Praise God. He literally didn't hear me. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. Okay. <laughs> Genesis 48 says this, verse 15, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, bless these children. Let my name be named upon them and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. My name be named upon them is important. And when I think of that, I think of when I bless my kids or my grandkids, Lord, let all that was good in me that you've given me may be transferred in them and multiplied, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Number eight, Jacob blessed his 12 sons. Uh, Genesis 49.1, and Jacob called his sons and, and said, gather together that, uh, that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. So again, he's going to begin to pronounce something prophetically. Jacob pronounced a prophetic blessing over each of his 12 sons, confirming that the father's blessing is a personal spoken prophecy foretelling future dealings of God in an individual's life. Okay? This blessing is not a generic one. Uh, it is not a one-size-fits-all, but a personal prophecy as we can see the Bible states. Genesis 49, 28, and he, Jacob, blessed them he blessed each one according to his own blessing. Jacob and Esau, Jacob fought to get the blessing of God. That's how important blessing of the Father. That's how important it was in those days. They understood you need the Father to bless in order for prosperity and success to come through. Number nine, David blessed his household. It had to be a very special day for King David when he brought the Ark of the Covenant, which had been lost to the Philistines for so long and defeated them and brought the Ark of the Covenant back in to Israel. Bible says that he danced like a wild man stripped down. Y'all, what would happen if I stripped down right now and started dancing around this whole place? You'd be like, oh, nah. First, it would be unkind to your eyes, number one. And number two, number two, you might think it's crazy, but in those days... That was something that someone would do, in particular, when there was a an ex super enthusiastic excitement going on. And, of course, bringing the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God, back into Israel. He danced like a wild man, the Bible says. Um, and then, after sacrifices had been offered, David composed a special psalm and designated praisers to worship God, to praise God day and night before the Ark of God's presence. I mean, day and night it was going on then. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 6, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and then he returned home that same day to bless his household. Amazing. After one of the most important physically demanding days in David's life, he was thinking about his family. I'm gonna bless the family, but I can't wait to get home to bless, bless their families, but I wait, can't wait to get home to bless my family. Unfortunately, David's wife, Macau, remember, as he danced in the city, she criticized him for dancing like this because she said this is not fit for a king to do. You know, you're acting like a fool and you should be more stately and you should be more kingly. 
Remember, he turned to her and said, I will be more undignified than this. You ain't seen nothing yet. This is just, this is phase one of my praise. Phase two is crazy. And by rejecting um, th this behavior of, of her husband and by, by being judgmental over him, she rejected the blessing in her life. And remember, when the blessing leaves, the curse comes. And in 2 Samuel 6, 23, put it on the screen, please. Therefore, Michal, that's the, that is the wife of David, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. That was a terrible thing for a woman. It was a dishonoring thing for a woman in those days not to have a child. So we see the cursing can slip in there. Amen. All right, let's go to number 10. Jesus blessed the children. I, I got one more point, that's it. Jesus blessed the children. Luke 18, 16, let the little children come unto me and do not forbid them. Remember, we just did this last week with our uh, child dedication. Matthew 19, 13, then the ch little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them. And of course, the disciples were trying to shoo them away. And he says, bring them to me. So he laid his hands on them. So the laying on of hands represents impartation. The spirit of God in me, I impart in you. And Jesus imparted the blessing on the little children. That's why we touch the children, each one of them on the usually on the forehead to bless them, right? We're imparting the blessing inside of them. Uh, number 11, finally, is the priestly blessing. When the Levitical priesthood was established, the priests were instructed by God to bless the children of Israel. In fact, one of the duties of the priests was to bless the people. That was, sometimes that was our only duty, was just to bless the people, Okay. Here's the prescribed blessing that God gave the priest. It's going to be familiar to you. Found in Numbers, Numbers 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his, his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The priest would bless the people with that prayer. This is something that's very important, very powerful. And the Lord has instructed me today to do a simple blessing over you, in particular over the fathers. You know, many of the fathers in this room did not have that, and so they never got that from their father, and so it's very difficult for them. But I think by faith you can see now that it can start with you in that moment. Remember, everything started with Abraham. Everything started with Abraham. He may not have had that in his life, but he began the process. And then it got stopped sometimes, and then somebody else had to be raised up to become another Abraham in their family. And there are many of you men, you are an Abraham to your family. You're the first one to be saved, the first one to have, a, uh, have and enjoy the presence of God, the first one to come to church. And so in many ways, you are, you are like an apostle. You are, you are forging the way and creating the foundation for your family to walk upon. So for me and my family, that was my dad, and he, kind of, he built that for us so I could have a firm foundation. So I, I recognize that I'm a lot where I'm at today because I had a father who would tell me good things. That's important. You have to understand that. Very important. And you can start today. So I'm going to ask right now, if you just take a moment, close your eyes, and bow your head. This is going to be over the men, but also over all the women. And I say this over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. With your head bowed and your eye closed, 
Father, I release that blessing even now in Jesus' name. And I say, Lord God, with my words, that every person, the sound of my voice, and those watching me right now through those lenses of the camera, I pray a blessing upon them from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. Every negative word that was spoken, every hate-filled word, every forming word that has caused evil or curse in our life, we rebuke it and cancel it now in Jesus' precious name. We apply the blood of Jesus upon every single one of them that they will have all full potential, whether they're 19, Father God, or whether they're 85 in this room, Lord God. They have air in their lungs. This is their moment in time, I pray in Jesus' precious name. I speak the Father's blessing, Lord God, as a priest in this household, standing as a man of God, and I bless them, Lord God. I bless those watching me right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Just lift your hands right now. Lord God, I thank you as they lift their hands and they humble themselves, Lord God, a new, fresh anointing comes upon them. A can-do spirit comes upon them. Pride is beginning to lift off of them because that pride wasn't supposed to be there. It was a mechanism to the hurt and the rejection that they felt, and they never want to feel that again. And therefore, pride has closed that, that door of emotion. But Lord God, I think it is lifting up even now, Lord God. Many will call their sons and daughters. Many will text them or write them. Um, or something, get a hold of them in some way, I pray in Jesus' precious name, Lord God, that there would be, Lord God, hurt, would be healed, Lord God, and that they would go to the next level. None of us, Lord God, know exactly how we're supposed to do it, but you do. You know exactly what has to take place. You know what has to be heard. Sometimes it's few words, Lord God, that, that it's all you need to work with, but it's all done by faith, and we release that now in Jesus' name. I release a happy Father's Day, Lord God, in this house to every single one of us, Lord God. This is going to be a great day for dads. Not a sad one, not a day filled with regret, but a day filled with blessing, Lord God, and hope. Especially to the men, I say to you, I bless you as a man. You are a man, and God has called you to go through tough things. This is part of what we're called to do, make tough decisions, go through tough things. This is a part of our assignment that we will forge a way for our family, for our grandchildren, and for even our great-grandchildren. They may never meet us, but they'll know about us because we will have made a mark. I believe that. I thank you for it in Jesus' precious name as we release it by faith. And the church said, amen.